thank you so much for joining me, Mommy. I'm so happy to have you. Of course, you here. my dear. Yeah. I'm ha- I'm happy to be included. Yeah. So, um I explained to you a little bit the the theme that I'm working toward for this season of the podcast, but I um I guess I'll just start out with a classic and you can answer this in as broad of a stroke as you want to. But I'm interested in who taught you how to love the way that you do. Who taught me how to love? Um, I think I would have to broadly say my village, which included my grandmothers, my mother, my aunts, my uncle, um, you know, everybody who was a part of my village uh, from birth to, to now. And I think also, I think also, um, different things that I learned about pain, um, pain and hurt in life, things that I learned about those things helped me to, you know, look a little deeper into myself about, you know, when it came to, you know, healing and forgiveness, you know what I'm saying? I think all of those things shaped me to be uh, more loving, not just of others, but especially of myself. And what do you think it took for you to love yourself? I'm constantly working on that, but I think I'm in a much better place today than I was 30 years ago. Um, Just a lot of discovery, a lot of different reading. Um, I kind of went on a... A, a bit of a spiritual journey in my early 20s, you know, so some of it I got from, you know, religious um, texts, some of it from psychology texts, you know, just, uh, you know, introspection, meditation. Uh, it's, you know, it's a combination of things that, you know, kind of led me to that same message of not working so hard to look outside of myself for, love and validation, but everything that I need is within me. You know what I'm saying? It's already there. So it's a matter of getting in touch with it, recognizing it, and continuing to nurture that. And then everything else will flow. Where do you believe that you learned the self-doubt that you had to later in your life overcome? Where did I learn that? Mm -hmm. Um... Definitely from the adults around me. I think that the adults around me um, living in poverty, living in a disenfranchised community um, with a a ton of dysfunction. Um, I think any human being would probably have a lot of self-doubt, you know, growing up in those conditions. So there was one of the books that I referenced um, from, from that period of discovery it was um maybe in my 30s i came across this book it was called children learn what they live and so yeah watching watching a lot of that you know just the different behaviors that that were a result of extreme poverty frankly (laughs) you know it, it, it it both i was able to see modeled for me a lot of self doubt a lot of self-sabotage, but then also 
at the same time, a really strong will to overcome the set of circumstances that were handed to us. Mm-hmm. So I think I received, you know, a lot of inspiration from, from that mindset as well as the self-doubt. You know, just as strong as the self-doubt was, there was also a great determination to change the circumstances um, by any means necessary, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Okay. So um, I think I, I kind of took that torch and, and, and ran with it in my own life. Sure. And, you know, kind of the self-doubt, I think, got, um, it diminished more as I grew and learned, you know, to value myself and and what my potential was and, you know, to increase my education and on and on. I'm wondering also, um, if you don't mind me asking, what do you think or who do you think you had to leave behind in order to find the contentment that you feel now in your life? Oh, several people. I mean, um, several people I never would have thought of leaving behind. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's been a very powerful lesson for me, um, in doing that because, you know, it's, there's kind of like these, you know, things that people may consider taboo, you know, oh, you don't do that. Oh, you, you know, you stick with this person or that person until the end, you know? Mm. that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily, (laughs) it's not necessarily always going to serve you well if you do that, you know. um, That kind of blind, like, loyalty. Yeah, I think I watched a lot of martyrdom in my life. And, you know, yeah, change the direction and do all these things to, to go to the next level, but not at any cost. You know what I'm saying? Because... What I learned is that, you know, self-preservation is very important, too, you know. So, you know, given the fact that I have people depending on me to be the best version of myself, to be as healthy as I can be, even though I'm still far from perfect and will always be far from perfect, if I don't take care of me, I'm not going to be in decent enough shape to be there for them. Do you know what I'm saying? So... I have to let go of anything that is pulling me down psychologically, draining my energy mentally, um, not feeding my soul, um, anything that's not a mutually beneficial relationship or partnership. I just can't give that my energy at this stage of my life because I feel like I have to preserve and conserve more than ever before just with all that I've been through. Right, of course. So yeah, I had to, I had to let go of a few really close relationships. And uh, I actually don't really, I don't have any regrets, honestly. And I'm surprised that I feel this way. <laughs> but surprised. I don't. Because I, I know, you know, that I had enough self-dialogue to to realize that my reasons for making those disconnections were justified. For my well-being, that's fair. Yeah. That's that's more than fair, I think. So, who who depends on you right now? I would say my. I think all of my children, to a degree, have some level of dependency on me. You know, all of my children. I have five biological children, one grandchild. Um, whether it's emotional, financial, um, 
you know, just hearing my voice, you know, um, mom, I need some chicken soup, you know, just that comfort, that nurturing. Um, I think all of them, I have two obviously that are below 18 still. So they have a little bit more dependency than the adult children. And then my husband and my puppies <laughs> and, my, and my staff, they all, I think they depend on me for a lot too. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have a lot of responsibility as far as I'm concerned. So um, you'd say it's like easily more than a dozen people that actively depend on you for guidance and nurturing and yes. Yeah. Yeah. At least 14 or 15, probably 15 mm-hmm. at least including some extended family that I have limited interaction with, but I still have interaction with some and, uh, my boss, you know, my staff, my kids, my husband, my dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I depend on me too. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how does that feel for, you know, to be, uh, so necessary in all these people's lives? Um, it feels very rewarding at times. It feels very overwhelming at times. Um, I've been learning to do better about politely saying, let me get back to you on that or no. (laughs) Um, I've been getting better. Still a work in progress on that because I tend to be a bit of a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it's very normal for most people at my stage of life um, to be kind of in that matriarch season. And I I feel that I walk in it with a lot of um, dignity and self-respect, putting self-care at the forefront. How does it ever feel like burdensome? At times, at times. It just, it depends on like, it's it's situational, you know, like on a day in and day out. They, you know, oh, I feel so worn out. No, I don't feel that way. But situationally, yes, it does. I mean, you know, it's kind of like I think I find myself kind of trying to delegate more and push back on certain things more mm-hmm. um, to make sure that people are not overly dependent and that they can be more self-sufficient in ways that to me are obvious that they should be, you know. Don't ask me to do it or expect me to do it when it's something you actually can do yourself. You just want me to do it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that comes with healthy boundary setting. And, and so that's something that I'm, I'm always mindful of. And I have a lot of self-dialogue around that healthy boundary setting. Sure. How did you learn to set boundaries? Um, for many, many years of not doing it and it costing me health problems and stress, um, you know, problems with stress management. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes when you experience enough pain and then you seek help, then you find, you know, solutions. You, you know, it, it's your pain points sometimes that push you to the, to the solution and get, get you to the other side. Mm-hmm. But you have to sometimes go through that pain first of being an overdoer, you know? So you would cite um, pain or more like traumatic instances as the the lessons that um, elevated you to this stage of your life? 
I think I think at times it was I think at times it was pain, but it was also at times you know active listening to elders, um, actually seeking guidance from professionals, um, you know, elders, professionals, other people who are like me going through similar circumstances. Um, so it wasn't always just pain, but pain sometimes is a good motivator, you know, to, to, to bring, to make us bring about change or, or make us want to pursue change if something's uncomfortable, you know? And then there's, there's cases in my life where I looked at, you know, I, I see this in, in, in another person's life that's close to me and I want to do something different. I want to do something opposite, you know? So how do I how do I go about doing that? I'm not going to learn it from that person, but maybe if I go over here and read this book or ask this question or research this subject, I can really really learn some new tools and new skills so that I can be better. So that would be kind of a proactive way of bringing about change. It's, you know, watching other examples around you that you know will not serve you well to grow and it will not serve your next generation well if you continue this unhealthy pattern. So how do you, how do you break that? So you have to look for tools, um, in, in different toolboxes. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so just to segue a little bit, how important to you Mm -hmm. is your legacy? Very important, extremely important. Um, and I feel that my children are my legacy. Yeah. It's what I've put the greatest amount of my energy on. Uh, you know, I would say a good chunk of my life, uh, uh, most of the things that I've done, whether it's pursuing my education or, you know, once I had kids, choosing to either not stay in a marriage or remarry or you know consider another life change was always with my children in mind so they are i feel the one thing i have to show for my existence you know it's proof that i survived that i was here that i left my imprint that i made a difference so yeah that's very central to my my person my being my legacy my babies my eggs walking the earth <laughs> And what is the thing that you believe no one gives you enough credit for, if anything? You know, sometimes I think sometimes my intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's a big um, one. Yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, that's a big one. Because I've had because I've had a bit of a tumultuous personal life, and you know, maybe from from some points of view, have not always made the greatest choices in my relationship decisions I think that that um, that you know sometimes people judge that to be some type of flaw or shows that you're not maybe thinking things through I feel I feel like I get credit for it to some degree in my workplace you know obviously just for being afforded the position I have um, being consulted on a matter of important leadership um, decisions in my role mm-hmm. um, but I feel that I could have more, I could receive more credit in my professional life than what I do, if that makes sense, the way I said it. Oh, I, I it feel makes like sense, I, yeah, it makes sense. Rec- recognition 
for, you know, this kind of being, you know, a, a body of life's work, you know, that I really, uh, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm talking about, you know. Um, so I think some of the things we talked about with um, disenfranchised groups, I think some of that is at play with what I deal with professionally, just the doubt that's out there about our ability. If I look at it in buckets, so the, that's the professional side, you know, I, put, I talked about the intelligence as it relates to, you know, how it applies to, like, relationship choices and, you know, being married, you know, this is my third marriage. Um, I would say um, the thing I don't feel I get enough credit for is the fact that I have at different points put my family first, even when it appeared that I wasn't. Mm. It appeared to others that I wasn't putting my family first. But in, in a lot of cases, I actually was, you know, making, making some decisions, putting them first. Does it ever, does it ever startle you what your body is able to endure? Oh, yes. It has startled me. <laughs> it's amazed me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm still amazed. <laughs> yes. Childbirth, you know, just all the things that a woman goes through in the course of life and and, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I'm impressed <laughs> <laughs> with, with how well, how well I've held up under, under such pressure. <laughs> mm -hmm. You said I'm impressive. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think I'm doing too bad. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, if you look at medical records and you look at what, you know, charts and whatever may have to say, you, you're like, oh, but. I mean, mm -mm. I, I think I'm good. <laughs> Do you feel that you have um, more freedom now than you did when you were a child or in your more formative years? More freedom now? No, I had more freedom when I was a kid. I didn't have all this responsibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these bills schedules, all that, you didn't have, you know, you didn't have that stuff as a kid. That's when you're free. <laughs> and you just don't know it at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and take it for granted. You think because you, yeah, you think because you have to follow rules and do what parents and teachers say that you're, you know, you're in jail. They're just preparing you for the real jail. <laughs> mm. <laughs> They're trying to teach you some lessons so you can survive this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cold world. They said, you know, Teddy Pendergrass had that song, Don't Let This Cold World Get You Down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that was freedom, being a child, running in the streets, you know. Even though I had stuff I was going through, I I think I felt most free when I was a kid. Probably yeah. between the ages, I would say, five and maybe 14. Mm-hmm. Okay, freedom of movement, freedom of decision-making with your money as mm -hmm. an adult. Yeah, you have that. But with all of that, freedom comes responsibility. So I guess it just depends on how you're looking at it. Right, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's the whole point. And I think just being the oldest, you know, I was definitely a natural leader, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that prepared me for my leadership role now. You know, being the oldest grandchild, the first, you know, girl 
and oldest grandchild. I had a lot of attention on me from both sides of my family. Um, a lot of a lot of love. Some of it for you know financial reasons, and some of it just pure unconditional. I love you, love. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my aunt Rosalind. My aunt Rosalind played a big part in in my life. My mother, my grandmothers, my aunts. Do you believe that your creativity and curiosity as a young person were protected and nurtured? Yes. Good. In some ways, it was. It was. In some ways, it was stifled. But I believe that. Um, once I got out of Florida and taken out to California, which is, you know, a hub of the arts and was, was you know, lucky enough to live in a community and attend schools, which I think was really great foresight on my mother's part, you know, to put me in schools that had, you know, arts programs. And so that, that side of me could be nurtured. But even before I had that opportunity in the educational setting, they always used to, you know, put me in front of the room to entertain the family, you know. So that stage fright thing, you know, was never really a big, big deal for me because I started out at such a young age, you know, entertaining folks. So I think they did that, you know, both out of, you know, seeing the, the potential and then also just, you know, poor folks looking for something to do, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so maybe that helped me to nurture my imagination, my creative side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>